Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your delectably disabled host, Andrew Gerza. I am your number one Queer Cripple, thanks for joining me for this episode. Holy fuck, we're at episode 105. Whoever thought that would happen? 105, wow. So that's a cool thing that's happening right now. Um, And let's get this episode started. I'm really excited for this one. Okay, so a few months ago, I was in line, finally, for, for a brand new wheelchair. And now, just so you know, anybody who doesn't isn't aware of how all this works... I'm going to kind of break down how getting a new wheelchair works for you. So any wheelchair user will tell you that when it's when it's time for you to receive your new wheelchair, particularly a power chair, this is a momentous occasion. This, in my mind, really is disabled Christmas. For electric wheelchair users, at least in my case, and if it's being funded by the state or province, you usually get to have a brand new chair every five years. And in order to get a brand new chair, it doesn't just happen. They don't just say, oh, you're eligible, it's time. You have to apply. There's a lot of begging and cajoling and paperwork to fill out to get the chair. You have to talk with the physical therapist and an occupational therapist about what your needs are. You have to really lay out why you need certain things on the chair. You have to specify what your needs are. You, you never really get to have what you want. You have to lay it out as a need for the government to really pay for it for you. So when it does come time to get your chair, it really does feel like Christmas. By the time all the stuff is done and the chair is in your hands, you feel like it's like you've won a race and you got a really cool thing. It really does feel like a big giant day to celebrate. As I'm sure I've said on the show before, my chairs for the last 20 years have all had the tilt and recline functions as part of their makeup. Now, technically, this feature is used primarily to shift weight around and reduce the pressure of sitting all day long, because when we sit in, typically in my case, it's a 90 degree position, the joints get sore and the butt gets sore and the legs get sore and your body gets sore. Um, So... I have tilt and recline as part of my needs for my chair. And any orthopedic therapist will tell you that um, tilt and recline is great for pressure and weight and all those things. But all of us wheelchair users really know that these features are also great for sex and for cuddling and for just a really hot makeout in your wheelchair. And I know we talked about this a little bit way back in episode three and a few times on the show. Wow, episode three was like two years ago. I didn't want to mention it a a couple episodes ago because I didn't want to seem too braggadocious about it, but a couple weeks ago, we not only hit 100 episodes of the show, 
We've also recently surpassed the two-year mark of Disability After Dark being a show. As of September 7th, 2018, we hit the two-year mark. So thanks so much for listening to me talk about sex and disability for over two years. That's really awesome, and thank you. So anyhow, I was in line for a new wheelchair recently a few months ago, and I managed to get a hold of a private occupational therapist which who was willing to work with my with my provincial or state medical insurance and I was thrilled because this never ever usually happens. Usually there's a whole bunch of stuff you have to go through which I'll talk about in a minute but they you never really tend to get a private OT that's willing to work with your medical insurance to, to, to privately work with you. That's just really rare and never happens. So I was super excited about that and I gave them my insurance number and we were off to the races to look at the type of seating that I needed for my new chair. I was also pleasantly surprised to discover that my OT was somewhat around my age. She was mid-30s professional and she seemed really cool and relatively personable. We could actually have like a real conversation. So I thought I'd be a little bit more open with her than I'd been with previous OTs in the past. For anyone who's never been to an occupational therapist session or been in a, a space where disabled people are medicalized to get new chairs or new, new products for themselves, it can be a really extremely clinical and medical experience. Let me kind of break down for you how it works. So typically what happens is the OT will ask you why you need a new chair. They'll say, are you just due for one at a time? Or they'll ask you more specifically, is there a bigger reason why you need a new chair, like pain, seating discomfort? Sometimes they'll, they'll assess your swallowing issue, which, by the way, because this is a sex podcast, I have no issue swallowing. Um, but they'll assess your swallowing issue, given your level of disability, to see about seating. They've done that to me before. And you will then, as the disabled person in the room, have to run down the appropriate reasons why. And you'll have to give them really specific reasonings as to why you need the new chair. So they can then translate this into government speak. So you can actually get the chair partially or fully funded. Usually what happens in Canada and the States is that the the, the state agency will partially fund it and then in, in Canada at least the other agencies will cover the rest of the cost and the chair in my case the chair is not actually mine the chair is the the chair is rented to me by the state and then at the end of five or six years they will take the chair away from you to when you have the new chair so it's really it's a really weird system where you don't technically pay but the chair is never actually yours um but it's funded through the state. But in order to get a new one, you have to go through all these hoops. Um, and it can be really, really tiring and really, really annoying when you just want when you just want a chair that works. It's like saying, we'll give you legs if you, if, you, if you do all these hoops. We'll give you this independence only if you do all this stuff for us. Typical medicalized ableism to get things done. So once you've justified why you need a new chair, the OT team will start measuring your body and doing all this stuff with you in and out of the chair measurements. They'll take you to your chair, they'll put you in a sling, they'll put you in a bed, they'll make you... They've made me sit in the 90-degree the position on a table to look at my spine, they've looked at my hip size, they've moved my legs up and down on a bed to see how far they can go up, they've done a whole bunch of stuff with my 
toes, my fingers, my hands, to all to see what kind of chair you would need. And this happens usually in a flurry of conversation between the OT team and themselves. You're in the room, but no one's really talking to you, and nobody really asks you what it is that you want here and what kind of chair you're looking for. They are simply assessing your body to try to figure out the best kind of seating possible to try to get you the most cost-effective chair. None of this, this whole experience of going to get the new chair and the assessment for a chair, none of it looks at what you as the user of the chair, the end user, actually want, typically. And, you know, typically the assessment happens in a rehab office or... Uh, a medical office. It doesn't happen in your home. It happens in places where you are medicalized and dehumanized and, and that can feel really weird when you're like, this chair is meant to give me freedom and why don't you... I've always thought, like, why don't they see us in our homes and see us in our day-to-day -to, -day to see what kind of chair it is that we would actually need to see what it is we do in our day to then make a proper assessment. Um, and so... After all of the, after all that flurry of work is done with minimal input from you, the end user, a chair is then prescribed to you by this occupational therapist who saw you for like twice, and then you have to wait about six months for all the seating to be done, and then you get a new chair that you're sort of comfortable with, but needs to be constantly fixed every few months because that's how wheelchair repair people get make their money is that they give you shoddy chairs and that need to be fixed repeatedly so that they can come fix it and they can charge the government but they never really give you a chair that is fully 100% something you would want. So that's normally what happens but this time the OT was like why don't I come to your house and I'll bring a wheelchair tech with me and we'll come to your house and we'll see what we'll see what you do in your day to day and what kind of chair you need and I was absolutely floored because this in 20 years of having, like, of being, of really paying attention to the chairs that I used. I've had chairs for, like, for, like, 30 some odd years now, but for the 20 years where I really paid attention to my chairs, this had never happened, and so I was like, okay, you want to come to my house? That's amazing. Please, yes, please show up, and let's, let's get a chair that works for me. I was super excited by this idea. So they came in one day and they started doing the, the assessment, but this time they did the assessment of my spine and everything in my own bed. And they looked at my desk where I do the podcast right here to see how a wheelchair base might fit underneath and, and how I sit at the computer every day. They really did a really good job of thoroughly looking at what it is that I needed. And I was really impressed by that because, again, that very rarely happens. Usually you take the chair away and you go home and you realize that everything they did to seat you doesn't actually work for your day-to-day -day life. So this was great. Um, so they started showing me different types of chairs with slim, sexy seating options, different kind of wheelbases that turn on a dime, all that kind of stuff, which gives me, like, so many disability boners when I see new chair options because it's like, oh, a brand new chair. This is awesome. Like, you get, as a disabled person, you get really excited if you're a wheelchair user when it's new time to look at new chair options. It gets, it's like... And maybe I'm into tech stuff. It could be because I've always been into tech stuff. So, But I got really excited when I got to see these new bases, for sure. And so at one point, looking at all this stuff, I started imagining with my new seating what 
sex would be like in all of these new chairs and how would I have somebody, how would I manage with a partner and all this stuff. And so at one point during the session, I said to the occupational therapist, so I work in sex and disability. How would a new chair work for that? And so the OT and the wheelchair tech kind of smiled and smirked at me as I suggested this. And they didn't really have an answer. And they kind of went, oh, wow, I never really considered that. Ooh, uh. And then we kind of just moved along with the session and I let it go. But the more and more I thought about it, it got me thinking a lot about the history of the wheelchair itself, like the actual wheelchair. And I wanted to do a fun episode today where... I looked at the history of the wheelchair and connected it to the fuckability of these types of chairs throughout history as well. Because we all know that even though we never talked about it, and even though it's not, it was, it's very rarely talked about throughout history, we all know that disabled people have been fucking for thousands of years. And I wanted to look at how each wheelchair could be used for sexy times throughout history and I also wanted to examine how you might have sex in some of those futuristic wheelchairs that are coming out soon. So I wanted to kind of go through um, chairs from the past and chairs from the future and rate them on their fuckability and how one with a disability might use them to have sex in. I just thought it would be a fun way to, to talk about the history of wheelchairs and connect it to sex and disability because... It, would, it was just a fun idea. And so, I don't know if it's going to work, but here it is. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark. But first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So, we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, I'm Pam Murphy, and I'm listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast, shining a bright light on sex and disability. This is a show about what it was like to be a disabled kid. Hi, my name is Andrew Gerza, and I am a disability awareness consultant and crippled content creator. I'm a wheelchair user, and I live with cerebral palsy. I decided to start when I was a disabled kid because I am fascinated by the stories and experiences of disabled people. This show will explore the growing pains of growing up disabled, the sometimes funny, sometimes awkward, and sometimes defining moments with our disabilities that turned us into the awesome disabled people that we are today. Join me each week as we go back in time and share what happened when I was a disabled kid. Available. Sunday, October 14th, wherever you get your podcast.
And we're back. I want to thank Come As You Are for being an amazing sponsor. And I want to thank all of you who have sent in your uh, your little listener ads. If you want to make a listener ad, you can go on your voice memo app on your phone. Send me a 20-second clip of what the show, why the show is important to you, why you listen, and who you are to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. And we'll play you, um, we'll play you in the ad section. Uh, and I would I would totally love that. I get a lot of emails from disabled people saying they love my show, how important it is, and I want to hear more of that. And also, if you are a disabled listener and you're listening to the show, I would love it if you would put a five-star review on iTunes so that the show gets more metrics and we start getting up there. Because I, I'm going to put it out there. I'm, it's part of my like vision for this show is that I want it to be the number one disability podcast out there right now, or one of the top disability podcasts available right now. So, yeah, I would love for you to leave a review and, and send me your voice things, and I would appreciate that, especially from those of you living living with and experiencing disability. I want to hear from you, for sure. But now, enough of the shameless plug, let's get back to the show. So in my notes, I, I have in bold... Wheelchairs throughout history, and were they sexy? Question mark. And I did I did some research on this, not too too much research. I did some some Google sleuthing, if you will, <laughs> some Google sleuth. I was a Google sleuth, a gimpy Google sleuth. Um, and here's what I found out about the wheelchair. So wheelchairs were originally fashionable accessories used by royalty and nobility who were both disabled and otherwise. So basically what that means is if you were just somebody with a lot of status or money in society, you would just be like, I'm going to use this chair because I don't feel like I need to walk because I am that important. And they've been around from roughly 525 BC. So what you need to know is that when when we have sex in our wheelchairs, all of you non-disabled people should bow the fuck down to us because you're fucking royalty. You're fucking the king. That's right. I'm going to say it. You're fucking the kings and queens, man. We are the kings and queens and the noble ones. Yeah, we are. And then I read a little bit further, and I read that wheelbarrows were used to transport the disabled. And, you know... I could totally get down with having some wheelbarrow sex with somebody. I would be totally, I would be kind of there for that. Although I can't imagine a wheelbarrow would be overly clean or necessarily roomy or even that really comfortable. I'm so conflicted because part of me is like, yes, I'm all for that wheelbarrow sex. And the other part's like, oh no. I keep envisioning whipping my dick out in a wheelbarrow with somebody and... And I'm both simultaneously disturbed and kind of turned on and titillated by this idea. So if anybody listening wants to purchase a wheelbarrow with me and reenact sex in that wheelbarrow from the 16th century, if you want to do a, a porn scene that way, I am so there for that. Jay Austin, if you're listening, throwback to last week, um, I am definitely down to have wheelbarrow sex with you. Also, I said 16th century when I meant to say 6th century. So if anybody wants to have 6th century wheelbarrow sex with me, give me a ring. 
Okay, so the very first wheelchair was built for the King of Spain, Prince Philip II, who lived in the the 16th century, and he developed gout later in his life, which I hear can be super painful, although I don't really know what it is. But also, from the artist's renderings of King Philip II, I would have totally hopped in his wheelchair and got with him at any time. He's got that sort of, like, sexy hockey beard that I'm all about, and he, I mean, he looked... Now, I'm sure that some poor artist was forced to make him look way sexier than he actually was, but his pictures, I would, I would, I would definitely have some, some, some medieval wheelchair sex with him. He looks, I get down to get me some kingly cock for sure. His chair had small wheels attached to the end of a chair's leg, and it included a platform for his legs and an adjustable backrest. And I thought, as soon as I read that, I was like, you know that that adjustable backrest was also used for him to bed the royal sex workers. The chair could be could not be self-propelled, but most likely the king always had servants transporting him around, of course, because he was the king. So, so I, I mean, I, I like the connection between wheelchairs and royalty. I think that's always been that's a really cool distinction we need to bring back when it comes to wheelchairs. We should remember that wheelchairs mean that we're noble, I mean that we're important, I mean that we have status in society. I really truly want to bring that back. The chair itself and pictures of the chair doesn't really look all that involved or comfortable in any way. All I could find was one or two drawings off of Google that made it look really simplistic and I don't quite know how one might have sex in it. The chair itself is really long, so it looks almost like a gurney or a bed, so I suppose you could do all the sexy things in it, but I don't think you'd want to, and I'll post a picture of all these chairs on the Disability After Dark social media, on the Facebook, and on the Twitter, so you can see them for yourself, uh, but this particular one of that King Philip had made for him doesn't necessarily look the sexiest. It looks like a weird... It looks like a... Like a lawn chair with some wheels on it. The next wheelchair I looked at throughout history to rate its fuckability was created by a watchmaker named Stephen Farfler in 1655. Now, the name of the creator, Farfler, sounds like a dirty sex act all on its own. The Farfler. I can picture a bunch of his lovers from the 1600s being like, oh my god, and then he did it. He did the Farfler. He created the chair when he was 22, so you know he was banging in it. Do you remember the hormones at 22? They were, they were all over the place. My hormones were all over the place at 22, so you know he was having sex in this chair. Now, Farfler was the first person to create a self-propelled wheelchair because he was assumed to have paraplegia of some sort. Now, looking at pictures of this, it was a three-wheeled chassis, and the picture I'm seeing makes it look like a super boxy, and there's a big giant box in the front, which I can imagine would make driving or propelling yourself in the chair super difficult. How would you see What's in front of you? There's a giant box in front of you. It would make driving super uncomfortable or almost impossible, maybe. Um, 
but since the only metric of importance here is the fuckability in these chairs, I say maybe? Just looking at the picture again, maybe like somebody he's fucking could sit on, sit on the box at the front and then he would have easy access to their parts um, and they would have easy access to his parts that way. Maybe they could slide into where he is and like pin him down in the farfler and they could do the farfler together. I, I mean, it would be really tight, but I'm sure like if he had, like if you were in this, this chair and you were fucking, if you had the ability to thrust, the box at the front would be great for somebody to anchor themselves so you could have sex on it. I'm sure there were some dirty times in this chair, but it, it doesn't look... It looks like a sidecar, not so much a wheelchair, but... I mean, again, maybe things happen there, but it doesn't look super comfortable. Then I wanted to jump ahead to 1783 when John Dawson created the bath chair. And this is just, you. Th when I first heard bath, I was like, oh, did they create a chair for disabled people to shower in at that time? No, no, no. He just named it the bath chair because he's from Bath, England. And this was a chair that looked like a, a rocking chair with, the, with, with wheels on it, basically. Um, and a person could propel themselves forward using a steering thing. Looked super uncomfortable and there's barely enough room for one person let alone two, so I don't quite think you'd have any sexy times in this chair, although the chair did outsell other wheelchairs for 40 years, so if somebody did want to get amorous, I'm sure you could have hot makeouts in this chair, but it was typically meant to be, to be, you were meant to be in it when you were being taken somewhere by donkeys or horses, so I don't quite know if anybody would be getting amorous with you, but if you were like a gentleman in the bath chair, with a, a sex worker of the time, maybe they would be with you in the bath chair? The one picture I could find of the bath chair is like a, an old, scary, like, wax woman sitting in it. So it doesn't really make me think of sexy times. Like, but I, if I wanted to do like a, a 18th century role play game, I would, again, I would be so there for that. I would totally fuck in a wheelbarrow and I would totally, um, Maybe I would play with the bath chair. But again, not a lot of room in these chairs. Not a lot of room. Like, I don't know how, let alone sex. I'm not sure how any of these people expected disabled people to, like, you know, move around in these chairs. I know that they were disabled and considered invalids back in these days, but they still moved. And these chairs don't allow for a lot of room. So it would make, like, if you are one of those people that can have statuesque sex... All of these chairs that I'm talking about will be amazing for you. But if you were somebody that actually wanted to move around when you fucked, none of these chairs at these times would work for you. Okay, so then like rolling chairs, they were called rolling chairs. They started to making their way about 100 years later in 1887 in Atlantic City as a show of decadence and style for both disabled people and rich people alike. These chairs look more like carriages, and they look pretty comfy in all of the pictures that I'm seeing and all the artist's renderings of these chairs. They look extra cushy, which is totally my jam in a wheelchair, by the way. I want a lot of padding, and I want a lot of comfort, because I'm going to be in there doing lots of different things, and I want to be comfortable, especially if I'm getting down and dirty. I want to have some, 
some extra cushion for my pushing, quite literally. And the photos and pictures that I see also show that two to three people can ride in the chair. So maybe for my next threesome, maybe I can do it in a rolling chair. Any takers? And then following the rolling chairs and the chairs of decadence and of yore, the folding wheelchair, the regular chair, which is just your standard tubular folding chair, came into popularity around the earliest, the earliest, wow, the early 20th century. Now, I have sat in a, in a number of folding chairs in my time, usually being transported from one, from my chair to another seat, and this usually happens at the airport. Don't even get me started how much I hate the way airports treat disabled people. I have so many stories, I can't even tell you. Given my level of, ex of extreme specificity and my complete and utter lack of drug control, I know, so sexy, right? I have definitely fallen out of these wheelchairs before, and for me, they really wouldn't be the sexiest. Because literally, every time I sit in them, if I sit in them for more than like 20 seconds, my body is falling right out of them, and I'm not comfortable, and I don't stay in there very long, and I have no, because I have no trunk control, I'm literally a raggedy Andy doll, I'm just falling right out. So, you know, having me fall out of the chair doesn't make for a necessarily sexy time unless I want to be dramatic and like fall on the floor and have great sex with you there. Sure, but otherwise, these chairs, not so much. That being said, if a strong person or a stronger person anchored themselves and anchored the chair and made sure I didn't fall out of it, I would be all for this. Like, if you want to, like, brace your body against the chair and hold me there while we have a hot makeup session in those kind of chairs, I am, like, that's what I'm envisioning, and I am so there for that. If you want to, like, tip that chair back and have a really hot, like, sexy visual make out in those chairs I right, let's go for that like the visual of me of the chair almost tipping while you hold it and kiss me strongly obviously I've given this a little bit too much thought but I would be so there for that um these chairs also don't have any customized seating in it right away they just come in like a really basic seat with horrible <laughs> with horrible plastic and um, horrible like vinyl on it and also they definitely make that as I've said it here in my notes they'd make that grindy vinyl sound as you were fucking you know that bam 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 that sound of like hot sweat on it when you're do when you're moving and I don't really want grindy vinyl to be the soundtrack of my crib sex although grindy vinyl does sound like an awesome band name so you're welcome internet Then just after World War II, the power wheelchair, which was really just a folding chair with a giant motor in the bottom, came onto the scene for veterans, and that gave way to the popular standard power chairs that we have today. And I don't know if I'd want to have sex in one of those 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 early power wheelchairs because they're so big. The motor, like, how do you? I don't know how they moved around because the motor was the picture I'm seeing is like the motor literally in the back. How do you move the chair to do anything? And so how would you move the chair even to like to position the chair? As you're trying to get sexy with your person, you'd be dragging this motor behind you. I don't know if I'd want to do that for sure. I don't think that would be for me.
I want to shift gears a little bit. See the pun there? It's it's a it's an episode about wheelchairs, so I said shifting gears. And sometimes when you have sex, you also shift gears. I was trying a thing. I, I didn't it didn't work, but there it was. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the current chairs that we have on the market and how they could be used for sexy times. One of the chairs that I saw come up a lot that people talked about was the beach chairs. And these chairs are specifically designed to go on the sand. And the picture that I'm looking at, it basically looks like a shower chair, like a commode chair with giant extra wheels on it. Um, And some of them are are motorized, but most of them aren't. And you can just take it on the beach and the person sits in it and they sit in the sand and then they are. This would be a great chair for sex if you wanted to give your partner a blowjob on the beach and they stood because the wheels are extra big. So if you're, if you're, and I'm assuming that your partner is able-bodied there, sorry, if your partner has more mobility than you and is either disabled with more mobility or fully able-bodied, they could stand on the, the wheel of this beach chair. And I'll put a picture in the, in the, in the show notes, they could stand on the wheel of this beach chair and you could eat them out or give them a head and have a good time like that. Um, then there are some other chairs that I looked at were some standing chairs. And these chairs are power chairs that go from sitting to standing for people who want to basically keep their bone density intact and keep their bones strong if they're able to. Um, I have a horror story of those chairs because I was with somebody in an event a couple years ago and he went to go, he was in a standing position talking to colleagues at this thing and his chair got stuck in the standing position and he couldn't move it. So every time I see one of those chairs, I get terrified. But if you were able to thrust a little bit or you wanted to just stand up while your partner did things to your body, this chair would be awesome to have sex in. So many of the the new futuristic wheelchairs that I'm seeing here are focused on a slimline, like sleek, sexy look, but none of them actually look really accessible to, again, move in. It's almost like we're going back in time again where the the chair itself is smaller, but the person is, and I I hate to use the word confined, but the way these companies are are creating these chairs is really confining the person into the chair. Could we not create a chair where a disabled person could actually move and have comfort in the chair to do things in the chair like have sex or like get a hand job or like get a blow job or do things in the chair? Can we also create a chair? And I'm not sure if I'm repeating myself, if I've said this in the show before, I don't think so. But I'd love us to create a chair I mean, we can create chairs for the beach. We can create chairs that stand up. We can create chairs that go over stairs and all that stuff. Can we make a chair that is specifically designed to fuck in? I have no idea what that would look like, but could we have a chair where where, where, and a, uh, where a mechanism would help you get your fly undone or get your, your parts out or help you take off your shirt or help you... Um, or help you... I don't like I'm just trying to think of all the things or help you thrust better. Could we have a chair? Yeah, that's a great idea. Could we have a chair that helps you thrust? I would be I would be I can't thrust and I would as much as I love being the human dildo, I would be so there for a wheelchair that it was futuristically designed 
to make me thrust. I mean, my chair has tilt and recline, but I would die if my chair had thrust. Okay, so this was a fun, interesting episode that talked about me getting a new chair and how I wanted to be how I wanted to be fuckable in it, and then looking at the history of wheelchairs and whether or not somebody could actually fuck in them. And again, if somebody wants to fuck me in a 6th century wheelbarrow or a 16th century farfler chair or create a chair that thrusts for me or all of us, I am so there for that. And I was focusing primarily on... Um, Primarily on all the kinds of chairs that were, but I was looking at it from a power chair user lens. If there's somebody who uses a different mobility aid and that you want to talk me to look at the history of that around sex, like walkers, canes, um, manual chairs, things like that that you use, let me know. Send an email to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and I would love to do an episode about that because I think it was a really fun way to mash up history and the sexuality part and disability. Um, I hope you enjoyed this fun, weird episode, and stay tuned next week for a brand new one. Thanks for listening. This has been Disability After Dark. Bye! Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.